0: today on cornerstone connection with pastor Gary Hamrick
1: so the psalmist is saying here basically this that when I search scripture I gain wisdom and discernment for my life let me think about it for just a moment there are thousands upon thousands upon thousands of decisions that a person makes in his or her lifetime. Some of those decisions are everyday mundane decisions and some of those decisions are life altering decisions. And we need the wisdom and discernment of God.
0: This is Cornerstone Connection. Radio Ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Psalms. Life is full of hard decisions. We need to make decisions regarding our family life, our career, our life choices, and our spiritual welfare. Who or what do you turn to when you need to know what to do? As we study through Psalm 119, we find that God's Word is our richest source of knowledge and good judgment. There's no better teacher than God's Word, and God promises to give us the wisdom we need if we just come to Him and ask in faith. In today's message, Pastor Gary will exhort us to turn to the Bible daily for the counsel we need. Well, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Psalms, chapter 119, with part one of today's message the blessings and benefits of the Bible. Find the cornerstones, your connection,
1: run your new life. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter of the Bible, and thus it is the longest psalm of the book of Psalms. And it happens to be entirely about the Bible. If you've been here the last few weeks, you know this by now, that the longest chapter in the Bible is about the Bible. And that contained within Psalm 119 are many inherent blessings and benefits to the word of god for those of us who would read it and apply it to our lives and so that's the beauty of this chapter that all through this chapter god says over and over again here's something i'll do here's something i'll do here's something i'll do on your behalf if you would just read the bible get it into your hearts and do what it says so we have a high value of the word of god around here at cornerstone we believe in the infallible inerrant inspired word and it is the handbook for life and it is the revelation of god to man And the supreme message, of course, is His redemptive plan to save us from sin and death, which He accomplished through His Son, Jesus, who died on a cross for our sins. And Jesus is central to the whole Bible. And we even see Him revealed, of course, through the pages of Psalms as well. And here in Psalm 119, 176 verses divided into 22 sections, each section corresponding to a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. You'll notice again that each section begins with a mention of what that Hebrew letter is. And then in a Hebrew Bible, we can't see it in our English Bibles, but in a Hebrew Bible, that section begins each verse with that particular Hebrew letter. And what we've been doing over the past few weeks, and what we'll do over the next few weeks as well, we're about halfway through at this point, is to glean one particular point from each of the 22 sections. So if you've been with us up to this point, you will know that as we've been keeping track of the different benefits and blessings of the Bible, that from the first section, the alphabet letter Aleph, uh, we learned that it produces a blessed life. From the second section, Beit, we learned that the Bible also produces a clean life. If we will read it and, and get it into our hearts... Then we also learned from the third section, the letter Gimel, that number three, it shields us against slander and gossip from others. And then the letter Dalet, from that section, we learned that it strengthens the weary. And then last week, we talked about the next four sections, section He, the letter He, number five, point number five is that it takes away disgrace. The next letter, Vav, in the Hebrew, it produces freedom. We talked about that. And then finally last week, we looked at also the letters Zion and Het, and those sections we learned, number seven, that it is a source of hope and comfort, and number eight, that God's word will bless us with good friends. So as we continue our journey, we're going to look at three more for today. We're going to slow it down just a little bit and look at only three, and we're going to begin at verse 65. Verse 65 says, Do good to your servant according to your word, O Lord. Teach me knowledge and good judgment, for I believe in your commands. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I obey your word. You are good, and what you do is good. Teach me your decrees. Though the arrogant have smeared me with lies, I keep your precepts with all my heart. Their hearts are callous and unfeeling, but I delight in your law. It was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. The law from your mouth is more precious to me than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. So for those of you taking notes, it's point number nine on our list from this section. We're going to learn how it is a rich source, the Bible is, a rich source of knowledge and good judgment. I want to highlight again verse 66, where the psalmist says, Teach me knowledge and good judgment, for I believe in your commands. Now, the word knowledge can translate from the Hebrew exactly as it sounds and means. Knowledge, the accumulation of information. It can also translate understanding and wisdom. Understanding and wisdom. And then the term good judgment is the ability to judge between right and wrong, between good and evil. In other words, good judgment can also be translated discernment. So the psalmist is saying here basically this, that when I search Scripture, I gain wisdom and discernment for my life. let I me mean, think about it for just a moment. There are thousands upon thousands upon thousands of decisions that a person makes in his or her lifetime. Some of those decisions are everyday, mundane decisions, and some of those decisions are life-altering decisions. And we need the wisdom and discernment of God for making our decisions. No matter how mundane, no no matter how life-altering, we need wisdom and discernment for the decisions of life. Before I answered the call to, to ministry, I was a journalism major my freshman year in college and journalists are taught you got to answer the questions in the first paragraph who, what, when, where, why, and how because the reader or the the viewer needs to know here's the message in a nutshell right off the bat the first opening paragraph but that's life we're constantly being bombarded with who, what, when, where, why, and how we have decision after decision after decision to make and the worst time to make a decision is when you're down I got advice years ago that has stuck with me it's not all that profound, but boy, it has been meaningful for my life. Never make a major decision when you're down. Never make a major decision when you're down. Because when you're down, when you're discouraged, when you're going through something, you don't have clarity. And you, and you often make an impulsive decision that you'll regret later. And, and, and so when you're down is the time not to make a major decision because you can't trust your own judgment. But it is during those times that you can trust the judgment of God's word. Now, I think that that describes the situation of the psalmist here. He's down. He's in a bad place. He's going through some kind of hardship because twice he talks about being afflicted in this passage. Verse 67, notice again in your Bibles, verse 67, he says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I obey your word. Further down in verse 71, he says, It was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. He actually says it was actually a good thing that I was afflicted because in the process of being down, it drove me to get into your word that I might then gain wisdom and discernment for my situation. So affliction and difficulty and trials and things that we go through will motivate us often, as Christians at least, it'll motivate us to search out Scripture, to get the wisdom and discernment from God that we need for our particular situation. I can't tell you the number of times that going to God's Word has spared me greater affliction and has brought to me wisdom and discernment that I didn't have. Just searching out Scripture and going to God's Word. And it'll be amazing sometimes how you can be in a very, shall I say, uncommon place in Scripture. And nevertheless, it'll speak to you like it won't speak to anybody else. And by uncommon, I mean like in the book of Leviticus, right? You could be in the book of Leviticus and God will use a verse that'll speak to you that, that it doesn't mean anything to anybody else. But it'll be that wisdom and discernment that comes from God's Word and God will use unusual passages... And, and different things in his, in his word to bring clarity and wisdom and discernment to your life. How many of you could honestly say, looking back over your life, that there was specific wisdom and discernment that you gained because scripture spoke to a certain situation of your life? Let me just see your hands. All right, look around. Because this is a testimony of the faithfulness of God's word. I remember years ago when we, when we first started Cornerstone and we're meeting at Simpson Middle School, I was anxious as anything to get out of the school. I mean, I, I wanted our own church building. I wanted a place that we could call home as a church family. And, and the school just got tiring quick. I mean, it was, you know, you're setting up church every Sunday. You're tearing down church every Sunday. You're, you're setting up nursery. You're, you're pulling out all the, you know, equipment that kids need in nursery and children's ministry. And, and uh, you know, back in that day, we were, we were having to load up everything on a trailer and haul it off-site every week because we couldn't store it at the school, at Simpson Middle School, just down the road here. So we had this trailer. And, and every week we had volunteers who would come. Every Sunday, God bless them, some of you are still here, you remember those days. And we'd have to unload everything off the trailer, all of our equipment, supplies, musical instruments. Uh, back in the day we had overhead projectors. Remember those? Overhead projectors? Some of you who have, who, who have been born since like 2000, you have no idea what I'm talking about. But uh, the grease, pencils, transparencies, it was incredible. And so we're, we had to unload all this. And then at the end of the day, unload And I was just so eager to like, I want to get out of this. I want to get. And you, and you never knew, will the custodian show up and unlock the door for us? And I was eager to get out of there. And uh, the day that I knew it's time to go, and I've shared this story many times. If you've been to an orientation class, you've heard this story. But the day that I knew it was time to go, we had this guy in our church. Who they've since moved out of the area, but when he got saved, he got radically saved. And I'm not making it up. His family had ties to the mafia, and he was closely connected to the mafia, New York mafia. And this guy was Italian to the core, big chocolate brown eyes, handlebar thick mustache, okay? And he was a construction worker. One day, it was a hot summer July day. Today's a pretty day, but it was a hot summer July day. And we're loading stuff at the end of church, loading it onto the trailer. We had this schematic on the inside of the trailer, you got to put everything in according to this plan or it won't all fit. So there's this drawing that people had to make sure we pack it just right or it won't all get on the trailer. It was a hot day and people were impatient. They're just chucking stuff onto the trailer. They don't care. They want to get home. You know, they, want to get, they want to get to lunch. and so They're just chucking stuff onto the trailer, not watching the schematic. So we got everything on except this rocket. We had this wooden rocking chair that we had set up in the nursery for the kids, you know, for moms to rock. And, and so we had no room. The rocking chair was supposed to go at the front. And nobody's going to unhaul all that stuff. It's hot, and they're hungry. You know how hungry hot Christians can be. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Brutal. So, so this guy, the mafia tie, Right? He says, he says to all of us standing around, we're looking at the, at, the, at the wooden rocking chair, and we're all like, oh, no, what are we going to do? And he says, I'll take care of that. That's <laughs> how he talked. I'm not making it up. I'll take care of that. Went to his trunk, pulled out his jigsaw. It's a construction work. Pulled out his jigsaw, plugged it into the side of the school, cut that thing in half. We're all standing there just watching him. <laughs> cut that thing in half threw both pieces onto the back of the trailer stuffed it in shut the door he said that ought to do it (laughs) I'm not a prophet nor a son of a prophet but I can tell you I got a word from the Lord right there it's time to move (laughs) or one of us is going to get in that jigsaw but you know, but as anxious as I was, one day in my private devotions, the Lord spoke to me out of Proverbs 24:27. And this is what Proverbs 24:27 says, And it would mean nothing else to anybody. It says, "Finish your outdoor work, take care of your fields, then build your house. Finish your outdoor work, take care of your fields, then build your house." And what the Lord spoke to me concerning that passage was, like Jesus in the Gospel of John talked about the fields are white unto harvest. Pray ye therefore that the Lord of the harvest would send workers into the harvest field. And the field represents people. It represents sharing the gospel and souls to be saved. And out of Proverbs 24, 27... The Lord gave me personal wisdom and discernment about, you know what what I just need to be doing? Just take care of the field. Just minister the gospel to people and let people get saved and let their lives be changed and don't worry about moving right now and just invest in people and teach God's word. Take care of the fields and then build the house. And so we spent seven years at Simpson Middle School, but in God's timing, he took care of us, took us to the first building. Now he's brought us here. In other words, you can be in certain passages of Scripture... And it becomes a rich source of wisdom and discernment for your particular situation that may not make sense to anyone else except you at that moment. So be it. God's Word is full of wisdom and discernment for our lives. Psalm 119 verse 24 says, Your statutes are my delight. They are my counselors. And the more you get God's Word into your heart, the more you can pull it up on instant recall when you need it in those unexpected moments when wisdom and discernment are so critically important. What if we, by getting God's word into your everyday routine, started making better, wiser, more discerning decisions? How might that impact your life, your marriage, your business, how might that impact what you purchase, your health, relationships, eternity? When we sit at the feet of Jesus and open up His Word and read it, oh, the wealth of wisdom and discernment, the knowledge of God and His good judgment that are poured Into our lives. Proverbs 2, verse 6 says, The Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. The next thing on our list is the section entitled Yod. It starts at verse 73. Yod is the smallest letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Remember when Jesus said, Not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen. King James says, not not one jot or tittle will pass away until all of God's word has been accomplished or been fulfilled. Jesus spoke of the letter Yod, smallest letter, not, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of the pen will by any means pass away until all of God's word has been fulfilled. That is this letter here in the Hebrew alphabet, Yod, starting in verse 73. Your hands made me and formed me. Give me understanding to learn your commands. May those who fear you rejoice when they see me, for I have put my hope in your word. I know, O Lord, that your laws are righteous, and in faithfulness you have afflicted me. May your unfailing love be my comfort according to your promise to your servant. Let your compassion come to me that I may live, for your law is my delight. May the arrogant be put to shame for wronging me without cause. But I will meditate on your precepts. May those who fear you turn to me, those who understand your statutes. May my heart be blameless toward your decrees that I may not be put to shame. So in this section here, the psalmist talks about affliction again. Now, he mentioned affliction in the previous section we just looked at, and he mentions the word affliction again, only this time in this section, he says God is the source of his affliction. He says specifically in verse 75, notice again verse 75, I know, O Lord, that your laws are righteous, and in faithfulness you have afflicted me. You have afflicted me. So it would appear that there is something going on in the psalmist's life, perhaps some sin issue or some area of his life that needs to be surrendered, and the Lord is disciplining him or refining him to make him a better man of God. That is the context of this word affliction in this particular section. The psalmist is saying that God has intentionally afflicted him, but in the context, the word means discipline. He says, I know God's disciplined me. I know what I'm experiencing, what I'm going through is the hand of God on my life. Now, not not every afflicting thing that happens to you is the hand of God disciplining you. Okay, but if you've been a Christian long enough, you know the difference. You know there are times that you can just be going through some hardship, and you know it has nothing to do with, with your your life or any kind of sin issue. But then there are the times that you know. You know. If you've been a Christian long enough, you know the difference. When God's hand is upon you, and I don't mean his hand like anointing. I mean his hand is like his heavy hand, like the right hand of fellowship. You know what I'm saying to you? and And there's a difference here. And the psalmist is saying... God has afflicted me. He says, I know, Lord, that you're disciplining me. But now notice the verses that follow verse 75. Look at verses 76 and 77. He says, may your unfailing love be my comfort according to your promise to your servant. Let your compassion be. Come to me that I may live, for your law is my delight. Notice those words, love and compassion, there in verses 76 and 77, that follow his statement about the Lord afflicting him. So it brings up this point, number 10 on our list. The Bible reminds me of God's unfailing love and compassion when he disciplines me. When he disciplines me. You see, when, when I feel the discipline of the Lord in my life, it's easy to become you know, bothered about it. But when you start to look into scripture, it reminds you of his love and compassion. And that that's the reason why God is disciplining us. Now, why does God discipline us? What are the reasons that sometimes just using the word that the Psalmist uses? Why is it sometimes God afflicts us? Why is it sometimes he disciplines us? Why is it sometimes that, that he will lean into us from time to time? Well, I'd like you to, to leave this passage here. We'll come back to Psalm 119, but go to your New Testaments, hang a right, and go to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12. Because I, I want to read a, a short section of Hebrews chapter 12 where the writer of Hebrews really focuses in on this whole idea of discipline. Why does God discipline us? What are the reasons behind sometimes the hardships that we face that come from His hand? And, and there are some reasons here that I, I want to point out. I'm just going to draw out four really briefly reasons why god disciplines us from hebrews chapter 12 i'm going to read verses 6 through 11 so hebrews 12 jumping right in the middle of verse 6 it says the lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son endure hardship as discipline god is treating you as sons for what son is not disciplined by his father Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So, real quickly, four reasons why God disciplines us. God's discipline means, number one, that God loves you. I mean, that's, that's what we read at the beginning of the section I just read in, in, in verse 6. The Lord disciplines those he loves. So, the reason that God disciplines you and me is because he loves us enough that he's never content to allow us to remain as we are.
0: We're so glad you joined us for Pastor Gary's message today. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching in the book of Psalms and that God is whispering the words of comfort and strength to your heart if you'd like to learn more about cornerstone connection visit our website at cornerstoneconnection.cc. there you can hear all of pastor gary's messages through this book as well as the entire bible be sure to check out the companion resources while you're there found under the teachings tab these digital study guides are meant to give you even more insight into some of the studies pastor gary has done and are available free of charge to you at cornerstoneconnection.cc. We'd love to connect with you and hear more about how God is working in your life. Feel free to join the conversation on our Facebook page or check out what's going on at Cornerstone Connection on Twitter or Instagram. We're here to chat with you in person too. So give us a call at 703-771-1500. Let us know how we can be praying for you That number again is 703-771-1500. That's all we have time for today. Pastor Gary will have much more to share from his verse-by-verse study through Psalms when you join us again, right here on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place
1: to go But still you know yeah. No.